Today in Understanding Immigration, the fiscal cost of illegal immigration. So far, no one has been able to credibly discredit a single one of our estimates, which I think speaks volumes to the hard work that all of us at FAIR have done on this issue. So the notion that illegal immigration is somehow great for the economy is a complete farce and a distortion. I mean, simply put, illegal immigration costs the country billions and billions of dollars annually. And this is a concept that has been popularized in the past as attrition through enforcement. And, you know, it sounds very scary and very ominous and draconian, but it's it's not. It's in most cases, it's just enforcing rules that are already on the books. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. This is Spencer Rayleigh, FAIR's Senior Research Analyst, and I'm joined as always by Matthew Tregesser from our press team and Preston Hennekins from our lobbying department. For those of you that are listening for the first time, this is a podcast designed to educate listeners on a wide array of important and high-profile topics on immigration in the United States. We do our best to simplify complex immigration topics into plain terms. Today we have a great discussion, the fiscal cost of illegal immigration. So our goal is to not just address how much money illegal immigration is costing you, our listeners, but also to address some of the myths and lesser-known truths that surround the topic. So Matthew, let's start with you. We often hear this narrative that illegal immigration is great for the economy. Is that true? And if so, or if not, what is the what is the true story on this? Yeah, so thanks, Spencer. So the notion that illegal immigration is somehow great for the economy is a complete farce and a distortion. I mean, simply put, illegal immigration costs the country billions and billions of dollars annually in a variety of ways, and there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, we'll often see the cheap labor lobby or the mainstream media, they'll promote studies touting how illegal aliens, you know, pay their fair share in taxes and how they contribute to the economy with their jobs. But again, generally speaking, most of these studies are politically driven and they omit the costs that illegal aliens actually incur. And these include billions in welfare programs, education programs, healthcare, law enforcement, and more. And generally speaking, a lot of these studies and a lot of these points driven by the open borders lobby, they ignore the fact that Many of these illegal aliens work in the so-called underground economy, which means that they're getting paid under the table and they're not paying any taxes at all. And simply these folks are, are not accounted for. What's also omitted is that um, illegal aliens often make far less than Americans in, in the exact same position. So, you know, they're paying much less in taxes, sometimes paying so few in taxes because their incomes are so low that they're actually gaining money uh, by tax credits from the government. And then I know we touched on this in the previous episode uh, with remittances, but uh, for our listeners out there, this is money earned in the country by an individual, and then that's transferred overseas to someone else. Uh, but again, illegal aliens are doing this, uh, and these payments are not taxed whatsoever, and there's millions leaving the country to their countries of origins instead of um, it being circulated in the U.S. economy. So again, with all this said, you know, you often see a headline saying, you know, illegal aliens contribute X dollars, and it might appear as a big number, but this is a fraction of what they cost the country annually. When we bring up these arguments to the open borders lobby, and we say, you know, illegal aliens are, you know, incurring a lot of these costs, and they're really not a net asset to the economy, these groups will come back to us saying, well, they're illegal, they can't consume a lot of these benefits and programs, and that's simply not the case. And if you think about it, all you need in this country to do a lot of things is a social security number or a driver's license. And more than a dozen states, mostly blue states, uh, such as New York and California, grant driver's licenses to illegal aliens, which opens up a lot of opportunities for them. 
And then with social security numbers, uh, millions of illegal aliens uh, obtain active social security numbers to um, open up more opportunities for them in the country. And to put this in better perspective, 39 million, 39 million Americans under the Obama administration years had their social security numbers stolen. Now, that's not to say every number was stolen by an illegal alien, but you know, a reasonable argument could be made that several million absolutely stole American social security numbers. And, you know, I, I can go on and on with, you know, how much, how many costs they incur. But again, it, it's just the point of all this is they are not a net, net asset to the economy. Um, and they incur many costs that are simply just not reported in the media. So let me, let me kick it to you. I know you did a, a study on this in 2017 on the fiscal cost of illegal immigration to the U.S. economy. And so, you know, what are these actual costs, Spencer? And, um, you know, what are, what are some of the main findings you found there? Yeah, thanks, Matthew. And honestly, I could I could sit here and I could just read from the report for you know hours, and I would find that absolutely fascinating. But probably put most of y'all to sleep. So uh, let me start by just telling you you can find it on Fair's website. It's called the uh, Fiscal Cost of Illegal Immigration on U.S. Taxpayers, and it's not just. Uh, a number that we pulled out of our butts or a number that we had a feeling it is. Our research team spent roughly six months pouring over literally thousands of state, local, and federal government sources, not just, you know, some crazy person's blog who thought he found some figure. We're looking at data released from the federal government. That's the vast majority of our sources. It's, uh, it's, it's what these state and local and, and the federal government is releasing on this topic. So basically what we did is we aggregated that and we tried to figure out how much money on average an illegal alien earns and thus we could figure out uh, to a pretty close degree how much they pay in taxes then compared that to the data we found suggesting how much they take out in benefits or how much they use in local services or how much it costs to send illegal alien uh, children to schools. And so while our critics like to disagree with this figure and to tout their own, as Matthew noted, most of the times that's just a figure on how much they believe illegal aliens are paying in taxes, but they just seem to forget to include how much they take out in benefits. So far, no one has been able to credibly discredit a single one of our estimates, which I think speaks volumes to the hard work that all of us at FAIR have done on this issue. So our study, which again was released in 2017, estimates that the net cost, not, not, not like the entire gross cost, but the total taken out in benefits minus the taxes paid came out to approximately $116 billion. That's including federal, state, and local costs. That's how much the net uh, you know, taxpayers are losing on this issue. Now, we have, and that was based on an estimate of approximately 12.5 million illegal aliens living in the United States. And we estimate that number has increased significantly. So we believe now this figure could be as high or higher as 135 billion. But based on the, the study that we did where we dive into each of these topics, uh, you know, one by one, the 116 billion is still the most recent we have. Um, and just a few highlights from that report. Again, I don't want to go into it uh, too deeply here because it'll just take too long. We estimate that illegal aliens actually pay $19 billion in state and federal taxes. And, and, and interestingly and ironically, 
this this figure is considerably higher than what a lot of mass immigration lobbyists believe it is. You know, you'll see numbers ranging anywhere from five or six billion to ten or twelve billion. We actually believe that number is a little bit higher. However, again, the figure that's often left out is the roughly 135 billion uh, that is racked up in state, local, and federal costs. Um, one of the biggest numbers that is often left out is federal welfare costs because technically, uh, by the law, illegal aliens don't qualify uh, to receive most federal welfare. But then again, illegal aliens technically aren't supposed to be in the United States either, but here they are. So through means of fraud or sometimes by just applying for uh, things th through uh something called an I-10, and I believe, you know, Preston might be able to, to touch on that a little more here in a little bit. They can actually receive quite a few uh, welfare benefits. We believe that uh, approximately $5.85 billion are taken out in federal welfare benefits every year. Another interesting one uh, that we found when we wrote this report was that approximately $2 billion is being consumed for Medicaid births. Now this is this is interesting because illegal alien expectant mothers can actually claim some health benefits uh, for the child since it's expected that the child will be born on U.S. soil and therefore be a U.S. citizen. And of course, programs like this have led to a high number of what's known as birth tourists coming over to the United States for the sole reason of having a child uh, in the United States so that that child can be a U.S. citizen and, of course, get certain benefits, grow up, go to school in the United States, and later sponsor their parents, siblings, and, you know, and others to come by legal means. And so that is, that's been a big cost as well. And just one more that I want to note, probably the, 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 or definitely the biggest one by all, is the cost of public education at the state level. Uh, and that comes out to $43 billion, and this is the result of a Supreme Court decision uh, oh, it's been what approximately 45, maybe 50 years ago now that Plyler v. Doe was decided that ruled that uh, school districts could not refuse education to illegal alien children. So that has become a massive uh, fiscal burden on states. This is something that it's a it's an unfunded uh, liability on states from the federal government. So the federal government doesn't have to foot that bill, even though they were the ones that ruled uh, the Supreme Court that states would have to provide this education. Yeah, that's that's definitely, I mean, you touched on really every kind of factor in a society that, you know, is applied to its citizens. I mean, it's just, there are so many costs that are accumulated by legal aliens and it, it needs to be addressed. So let me ask you, Preston, you know, what can we do to reduce these numbers? Is there legislation? Is there kind of just a, a strategy. I mean, I, you would think that, you know, obviously fewer illegal aliens means there's going to be a decrease in the annual cost, but what can we do to reduce this number? It's way too high. Yeah, really, at, at the end of the day, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The only thing that is going to bring these costs down is if you have less illegal immigrants, fewer illegal immigrants in the country. That's the only way that you're going to see costs go down associated with you know, healthcare, with housing, uh, with the strain on the public schools, as Spencer brought up. Um, and that's, that's very difficult. It's, it's a very difficult, uh, you know, conversation to have. Uh, and this is a concept 
that has been popularized in the past as attrition through enforcement. And, you know, it sounds very scary and very ominous and draconian, but it's, it's not. It's, in most cases, it's just enforcing rules that are already on the books. But there really are four ways that we can address this and that we're able to make this problem a little bit less prevalent. The first is mandatory E-Verify. That's a very simple policy that would go a long way in reducing the number of people coming into the country illegally looking for work. Uh, one of the best bills out there right now is from Senator Rob Portman out of Ohio, um, S301, which is just the E-Verify Act. It mandates that all employers use it. Uh, it phases in agriculture, which has been something they've been concerned about uh, and why they've opposed it over the years is because they don't want to have to deal with it immediately. But it's something that is, it's effective. It's known to be effective. And even the experts at Cato, a Coke Industries funded think tank, tell you that E-Verify doesn't work, uh, but they're really the only ones who say that. And their studies are so minuscule where even, even they say in their report that the failure rate for E-Verify is significantly less than 0.001% of every transaction that goes through E-Verify. Um, it's an incredibly effective program, and it, it should be mandatory. The second thing that we have to think about is tightening asylum, which has been more of an issue uh, since about 2015 uh, as immigration lawyers and would-be migrants themselves have noticed that it's much easier to enter the U.S. by claiming uh, by claiming asylum than it is to try to evade border patrol uh, and sneak across the Rio Grande. Um, and this is an issue that, as long as we're giving work, you know, work documents to asylum seekers, ninety percent of whom are not going to you know, ever get a claim processed correctly for asylum, you know, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot because once they've set up a life here uh, and they've been going through the court system for two years, even if they get a negative ruling, you know, are they going to leave? You know, probably not. Um, unfortunately, uh, there have been some new, some movement on that. Um, USCIS actually just put out a new rule that bars asylum seekers uh, from getting work permits until they've been in the U.S. for over a year. Uh, and, Asylum seekers who have crossed in between ports of entry don't get them at all. So that's that's very important, and that's a good rule that, that we're looking forward to seeing implemented. Uh, the third, um, and really the most important of these you know tools at our disposal, is just increasing worksite enforcement. You have to increase penalties for employers that are knowingly hiring illegal aliens. You know the problem is not going to go away unless you actually target the employers themselves. You know we're. We're kind of right now our strategy is based off of chasing illegal aliens individually for being in the country illegally, um, which we're, you know, the way that the law is written, we still have to do that. But at the same time, we, we do almost no worksite enforcement whatsoever. Um, and that's completely unconscionable. And if we are, pun you know, if we are catching and deporting illegal aliens for coming into the country to work, we should be just as harsh to the employers who are hiring them. Um, and that's, that's something that, you know, people just haven't had the stomach for, but frankly, you know, we need to be applying the law equally to both the illegal aliens that are here illegally and also the, the people that are hiring them. And then finally, the biggest, the biggest glaring thing is that we just have to enhance border security. One of the things that 
has recently happened as of the recording of this um, podcast is a ruling in the D.C. Circuit Court um, confirming the expansion of expedited removal, which allows the fast-tracking of removal for people who illegally crossed the border in the past two years, um, which really allows us to, you know, people that have come recently were able to quickly get them out of the country and were able to attack the backlog of immigration court cases that is now over, you know, a million cases long. Uh, And until we're able... To really do all of these four things, you know, from worksite enforcement all the way to mandatory verify, uh, I think that we're always going to see some of these, you know, problems associated with the financial costs of illegal immigration. Yeah, that's a good point. And and honestly, you know, you you talk about a lot of people look at attrition through enforcement as being kind of this big scary term, but that's what law enforcement largely is. Uh, it oftentimes, you know, you'll see. Uh, a behavior that the federal government wants to stop or the states want to stop or a local government wants to stop. And, you know, the first thing you do is you make it illegal. And then you try to put in place either via punishment or some other type of deterrence factors to try to stop that behavior from occurring. So it really makes no sense that we're not already doing this uh, on the immigration front, that there isn't checks in place such as E-Verify and worksite enforcement to ensure that the law is being enforced. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, going off of the worksite uh, enforcement, I mean, I, I read a study, I, I believe it was uh, based on 2019 figures, 2018 figures, but regardless, the, the results show that approximately a dozen employers were prosecuted by ICE for you know hiring illegal aliens, and that's just way too few of, of employers. And you know, I'm not sure if the, if that's a result of you know ICE not having as many resources or, or the bandwidth to really hone in on, on worksite enforcement. But it is a huge problem. I mean, that's a you know if, if you you know mandate you verify, you gotta have someone to check in and make sure that you're you're following the program, using it correctly. And you know, if you're trying to snick your way around it, yeah, you need to face a penalty for that. So. That is a huge thing. I mean, both you mentioned that, but I think once you start having that, you're going to cut off the incentive for people to come to this country and to try to obtain work uh, while being here illegally. Exactly. And immigration is only going to fall and it's only going to be reduced when it becomes too risky and too expensive to hire an illegal alien under the table instead of hiring an American. That That's the only way that illegal immigration is going to fall because, you know, economic prosperity is really the only reason that we have such a high number of illegal aliens in the country is they're they're coming here for jobs you know they will tell you that like it's it's just common sense and so when when you make it harder for them to find work in the US they're going to go home they're not going to stay here and like you mentioned uh Matthew we're talking barely any enforcement on work sites on this issue at all enough that it rounds to zero essentially especially when you look at you know we we estimate there are between seven and nine million illegal aliens in the workforce right now employers know that there is essentially no consequence to hiring illegal aliens right now whether they uh, just look the other way while an illegal alien uses a, a fake ID or a stolen social security number, an I-10 that's being used improperly, or just paying them under the table, something that not only 
takes jobs away from law-abiding Americans. It also deprives state, local, and the federal government from tax dollars as well whenever someone is, is hired under the table and just you know paid off the books, as they say. Yeah, exactly. And there's a great, great example uh, of that, Spencer, especially the even, even groups that are using E-Verify sometimes look the other way if they're unscrupulous. And we saw that even um, with some of the Trump hotels before he became president. There was a, you know, a huge story, I want to say in either 2018 or 2019, that had interviewed illegal aliens that had worked at some of these properties. Uh, and they, you know, all of them said the same thing. They were like, I knew that my... My papers were completely fake, but you know, as long as I was willing to do to do the job, they were willing to hire me. And there's no, there is no punishment at all for whether whether you're the Trump Hotel or whether you know you're a chicken processing plant in Mississippi. There is no reason to not hire illegal aliens the way that the laws are enforced right now. But unfortunately, that's just because that's just a the way that that ICE has been handling worksite enforcement for the past mm-hmm. you know 15 years and that's something that i think needs to change um maybe with uh, you know increased pressure from from ICE's leadership and also it's 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 a culture change that has to happen i think within ICE's workforce you know th- yeah. there have to be people that understand that it's going to have a bigger effect on the problem if you go after the employers as opposed to, to focusing so singularly on going after individual illegal aliens. Good point, Preston. You know, another area I want, I want to touch on this, you know, with, with all the coronavirus and, you know, the, the pandemic surrounding us right now is a lot of states and, and cities are actually providing coronavirus financial relief to illegal aliens. And mm-hmm. I think this is a huge thing that's, especially at a time where, you know, money's not unlimited, it's finite. You know, you have the governor of California spending $75 million to fund illegal aliens and coronavirus relief. And then you have in uh, the state of Oregon, their legislature is appropriating $10 million to help fund illegal alien kind of relief programs. Again, like we have so many millions of Americans, more than 44 million unemployed, and that money is not going to them. And they're going to illegal aliens who shouldn't be here in the first place. And, you know, we're in a national crisis right now. And it's unfathomable that elected officials are appropriating this money to people who have no right to remain in the country. Yeah, in fact, you'd uh, you'd mentioned, you know, states like California giving benefits to these illegal aliens. Right now, California spends more than 23 billion annually on illegal aliens and their children. And unfortunately, more than a quarter of our homeless veterans in the United States live in California, uh, about 11,000, that's a pre-COVID-19 number. So it just goes to show how so many politicians, not just at the federal level, at the local and state level as well, just have completely misplaced priorities, even even in a difficult time such as this. While so many Americans, millions of Americans are without work and you know tens of thousands of veterans who served our countries don't even have a roof over their head, their biggest concern right now is, oh, how can we get more money to illegal aliens? And, and honestly, it's just despicable. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Great stuff as always. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed our discussion today surrounding the cost of illegal immigration on U.S. taxpayers. As a reminder, we'll be releasing a new episode every other Monday. So please recommend understanding immigration to your friends by sharing this podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Episodes are available on most platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also visit our website, fairus.org, and our Twitter, at Fair Immigration, to access episodes. 
We hope everyone is continuing to stay safe during these unpredictable times. And until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration presented by FAIR.